on a day where you could find upsets everywhere. The Auburn Tigers found a win, but a lot of folks don't feel too good about it. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked on Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. It's the morning after that we are joined by Dale Daprich, Montgomery Radio Vet, to recap Auburn's win over the San Jose State Spartans 24-16. Daryl, I think we feel what a lot of Auburn people are saying on social media and screaming it in the streets of like, you know, what happened Saturday night, though it was a win, just didn't feel good enough, especially on the offensive side of the football. When you look at the quarterback situation, you know, TJ goes three and out with, you know, that first unit in that first drive. They bring Robbie Ashford in. You see a little bit of a spark, but still nothing really fully clicking Robbie throws a pick. TJ throws a pick. First half was absolutely awful from an offense standpoint. Second half was a little bit better. Not great, but better. But, man, there's just, um, it's a weird feeling because what we saw Saturday, it wasn't good enough. No, I think you've touched on it. It it is a weird feeling. You know, it's a win, but it just feels really strange. I even watched the body language with some of the players on the field afterwards and, and Harson's interview with Lauren Sisler. And, it, you know, he came across with just relief, but there just seemed to be, man, it's hard to explain exactly what to put my finger on it. The, the emotion, it, it's stoic. It's just not there. And it's yeah. not a matter of like taking care of business. That win was ugly. Yeah. There was some parts of that football game in the first half that I was absolutely as frustrated as I've ever been watching an Auburn game. It felt very Georgia State-like to me last year, except that Almer didn't have to come back late and escape. I mean, they held on late, but really couldn't get the couldn't get the game out of reach. I think there was a couple times that you know Auburn after San Jose punted on fourth and one or two, and Almer could have went down and made it a three-score game. They didn't. Uh, there was just it was just very very. Uh, no emotion. It felt bland to me. And they did some things. They did what they had to do to win. But I, I agree with you. It just didn't feel much like how victory should feel and what Auburn should have done against what I thought was going to be a really overmatched San Jose State team. Yeah, I mean, watching what San Jose State did the week prior against Portland State, and look, anything can happen any given week. Look at what happened throughout all of college football over the weekend. A lot of upsets, a lot of near upsets. And I mean, you if you told me that, okay, Auburn really puts it together, they figure it out over the course of this week, and they put together a great game plan and exec- a way to execute all of this against Penn State next week, it would not surprise me. It wouldn't. But also, it, it wouldn't surprise me if the quarterback play and the lack of offense was, uh, you know, this was a sign of things to come. I was watching... Uh, the Tennessee game Saturday with some of my uh, some of my buddies that kind of helped. Um, they came over to help me move Daryl, and we were talking about like the Tennessee offense, and it's like these guys aren't more talented than than the the guys on Auburn's roster. It's just the scheme. These guys are just being schemed open, 
And Auburn really had that. They didn't have that after the first two seasons of the Gus Malzahn era, and they haven't really had it in the Brian Harson era either. And to me, I don't believe that it's talent. I really don't. If you want to say it is up front, I'm cool with that. The offensive line is an issue. We'll get to that in a second. But it's just, against San Jose State, those defenders should not just be draped all over all of our wide receivers. It just shouldn't happen. No, I agree. The, the separation wasn't there. I think, to, to your first point about what's going to happen over the next week, it's, it, it is, this sounds so cliche, but I, we said before we tape this, next week is going to be telling. We're two weeks in, and, and it's a mystery. One of two things could happen. So that tells me we still don't know what this Auburn football team is. Yeah. There's a couple of things we've seen that are concerning. Right. But if they put things together and they get better quarterback play and they run the ball effectively – they could go out and, and and handle Penn State Saturday and get things together. But the other side is they could come out flat and look bad and lay an egg against Penn State. That's why Saturday, I think we'll know. I think we'll know. And, and maybe there's some things that get incorporated into the offense Saturday. Maybe there's some wrinkles and there's some looks. But I want to go back to your Tennessee analogy. Yeah. Yeah, maybe receivers, offensive line, definitely not running backs. No. But we saw all day Saturday in college football – the most important position on the field, you got to have a good quarterback. Sure. Alabama had a good quarterback and they beat uh, Texas, who was down to a second stringer, you know, on, on, a, on a bad ankle. You're right. There was other teams, you know, Tennessee won that game because Hooker played really, really well. And he is, is a dynamic quarterback. And look at Texas AM. They get beat by App State because Haynes King played terrible. Yeah. So it may only be one position. But it's the most important position. And we saw in the first half probably the most abysmal quarterback play that I've seen in a long time at Auburn. I will say this. I don't want to go all negative. Credit to T.J. Finley what he did in the second half. Impressive. Because they showed those – very impressive. They showed those stats since the interception. What he did, he ended up throwing for almost 170 yards on only 20 attempts. So he did correct some things. And let's be honest, too, it shouldn't come down to this. No. But he had to make some magic on two fourth down plays where he made some plays that were individual plays where he dropped the snap and found Bigsby. And when he almost got sacked and found Shanker. Sure. You know, it's a shame that you have to make plays like that to beat San Jose State on fourth down. Yeah. But he did to his credit. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody talked about him being a statue. On those plays, he did not look like a statue. Is he as, is he as mobile as Robbie? No, absolutely not. But I think when it comes down to it, he can make people miss in the pocket when he needs to. To me, and obviously, I think you can say all three of the the picks that he's thrown so far this year are his fault. Two, um, yeah, no, there, there's no debating that. All three of them are. And then even the one with Robbie. But you just look at it, and it's like, still, though, like, I I, I need these receivers to get more open for him. He's not doing the right reads 100% of the time. He's not executing 100% of the time. But it's just you watch college football on any given Saturday and you see all these fun, explosive offenses. And these receivers are just being schemed open. And I'm just not really seeing that from Coach Harson and Coach Kiesel. And I think that needs to change, Daryl. That's honestly my biggest takeaway from Saturday. We've been saying it at Auburn for almost a decade now, where it's just like, it feels like the offense is just, Auburn makes offense look so hard at times. It, it is, it, it's de- it is work. 
It is grinding. Yeah. They make it, they make it so they make the simple play look complicated. I will say this. When he did have open receivers, when they did get open, the Shed Jackson play. Yes. The the great pass to Chick Dawson up the seam where he dropped it over a linebacker because Dawson got open. Javaris Johnson got open a couple times. Coy Moore got open for a night. When they did get Dude. separation, to his credit, he found them. Yeah, that outbreaking route to VAR, I don't know if it was late third or early fourth, but it was a beautiful pass. It was a beautiful pass. Like, he's got the ability to do it. It's just not clicking as fast as we all need it to. But still, I think um, to me... Well, here, here's where we are. Where we are is where we are. Yeah. I thought, to, I thought this game was going to show some separation and maybe a quarterback was going to emerge as the leader in the clubhouse. And we are exactly back to where we were before we kicked it off against Mercer, a two quarterback system and a situational quarterback in certain, certain plays. When Finley threw that pick, if you would have told me, Daryl, your, your house is going to be auctioned off. If Finley goes back in the game, I would have taken that bet. There is no way. Yeah. And I don't know what Calzada has done outside of, of, of a felony or something off the field because he warmed up on the sidelines and did not even get a sniff again when both quarterbacks were playing horrible in the first half. Yeah, I, I think it has to do with um, I, I think it has to do with team meeting related stuff. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's an inability to perform. So we'll leave it at that. Daryl, I want to talk about the specific quarterback rotation and kind of what we thought of it going into the night and then going forward because my opinion has changed yet again. It's been back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with all this. But I want to tell you guys about our friends at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best way to play daily fantasy. I mean, it makes all of these games throughout college football a ton of fun. I uh, I made a, is it a stub? Is that what they call it? Yeah, where you pick like five or six. You pick I picked five different players to execute Daryl. And I nailed all of them with the exception of Tank Bixby. Uh, Tank Bixby, I needed him to run for like 112 yards. He did not get there, but that's okay. That is okay. So, yeah, just look for your favorite team, your favorite stars. Pick whether you think they'll end up with more or less than uh, the number in this week's game. And you can win up to easily uh, 20 times as much money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Love their app. It's a lot of fun to use. Be sure to check it out. Pick between two to five players for your pick'em slip and get all of your picks right and you take home some cold, hard cash. All you have to do is use promo code LOCKEDON to get started and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Deposit $100, get $100 free. That is Underdog Fantasy, promo code LOCKEDON. Daryl, going into this second game, I thought Robbie was going to take the starting job. I thought I was going to take it. I didn't think we were going to look back and it's like, okay, Robbie Ashford is the starter going to Penn State. Now looking at it, it's like, okay, well, I feel like TJ now has taken a big step forward. And, and TJ's the guy with Robbie kind of being just a part of the offense. That, to me, is kind of what it looked like. And so let me ask you this, Daryl. And I've said this from a, you know, just being speculative. But the fact when they were looking for offense and Robbie Ashford threw it three times, does that say anything to you or do you think I'm reading too much into something? No, it says a lot to me. I, I think what it says is, is what I mentioned earlier is we're nowhere 
further down the road than we were before we kicked it off against Mercer. Yeah. I think that when you see next week against Penn State, you're going to see Findlay probably take 60 to 70% of the snaps. You'll see, you'll see Ashford come in in situational football and provide a spark like mm-hmm. he did in certain moments tonight. I mean, on third and nine, when you've got to get a first down to ice the game, and he does it he, on a read option. He gets the first down, boom, ball game's over. Sure. So I, I think you're going to see that against Penn State. What I'd like to see and what I would hope that Kisau is setting up Penn State's defensive coordinator for is when they look at game film and say, okay, guys, linebackers, secondary, when Ashford is in the game, they're going read option and they're not throwing it. I'd love to see some routes and some patterns drawn up for Ashford to throw off of that and yeah. completely catch a defense by surprise. Now, I saw the flip side of that. I never thought I would be talking to you on the morning after and saying that TJ Finley scored a touchdown on a read option. <laughs> I mean, but he did, yeah. right? I mean, there's no way defensively you think he's ever going to pull it out of Bigsby's gut at the four-yard line, and he did, and he walked in. I want to see the flip side of that. I want to see Ashford throwing in predictable running situations and them to do that next week because I, I guarantee you Penn State is going, oh, when they look at that film – they're saying he's just going to come in and run on the edge, or he's going to read option and keep yep. it, throw yep. off of that. You know that little play where you read option and you take a step towards the line like you're running, and then you you throw that pop pass, yep. something, just something different that's a wrinkle. No, uh, I, yeah. I mean, once again, just like make the offense a little bit more complex. Like we've heard nothing from this coaching staff other than like how – how much information TJ is able to handle and how he's a coach on the field. It's like, all right, let's, let's, let's add to this offense. Let's, let's kind of see more than just some cliche stuff that we've seen over and over and over again, it seems like. So, all right, let's move away from the quarterbacks. What was your thought on the defensive pass rush? So going into this, a big talking point about this game was San Jose state was sacked seven times against Portland state in week one, and obviously everybody got really excited about Auburn's defensive pass rush. Three sacks, penetration consistently throughout the game, but I don't think, I don't feel comfortable saying it was dominant in any sense of the word. Uh, I really liked Ekuliota's game, and actually I really liked Marcus Bragg's game once he got in, but after that, like, Colby Wooden had a big tackle for a loss. I think Marcus Harris had a few moments for here and there, but I just thought they would take over more, Daryl. Yeah, the defense came out playing lights out, and then they faded a little bit. I mean, I, we can't pin this all on the offense. They gave up big pass plays. They had pass interference penalties. They get, didn't get their heads turned around. They let the big body San Jose State receivers catch balls over them. So early on, I thought, well, maybe Portland State had seven sacks because San Jose schematically was dropping back and trying to throw the ball downfield because I didn't watch that game. And against Auburn – they were hitting a bunch of slants, getting the ball out quick. We were getting slant. Auburn was getting slanted to death. Then, I, I, so I thought maybe that was the problem. Well, second half, how many balls did, did Cordero throw downfield, back shoulder, jump balls, 50-50 yeah. balls, 30 yards, 40 yards? So, look, he threw for 275. He threw it 40 times. I mean, I get that. So, But there were some plays that I felt like, slants you, you can live with not getting to the quarterback, those quick hitters. Cordero roamed around a little bit, mm-hmm. ro- rolled to the right, threw the ball downfield, and Auburn's defensive line 
did a good job against the run, but did not get to him at what I felt like should have been enough after what we saw the sack total was for Portland State. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. And you mentioned some of those throws. Look, San Jose State's wide receivers, they made some incredible catches. They they broke free on some, but there was a few, and people were poking at Jalen Simpson, um, my dude, and it's like, no, I think he had a pretty good game. That big one that he gave up, it's like, I don't know what else you want him to do from a coverage standpoint. So, um, DJ James played really well tonight. I, I, agree. I will say he came in and spelled Pritchett some. He almost had that pick. Um, Keontae Scott played well. He had a couple passes completed on him. I know that people were really, like you said, poking on the secondary mm-hmm. and getting on the secondary. There was a couple of plays where they were draped over those, over those receivers. 6'2", six, 6'3", six, just went up and yeah. got it. But these these kids that transferred to San Jose State, I get it if it was like, well, there's a bunch of transfers. They transferred from Nevada. Right. They didn't transfer from Notre Dame or USC. They're not Jordan Addison. or They transferred from Nevada, another group of five to a group of five. Mm-hmm. So I just would have felt like power five corners could have done a better job downfield on some of those throws. I'm with you. And there were some of those, though, and I don't think people realize this, but when Cordero was standing in the pocket for a second and then be flushed out because, once again, the containment for the Auburn pass rush just wasn't there at times. And these DBs are having to cover for seven or eight seconds. And it's just like, that's not what they're asked to do. That's almost impossible to do. So, I'm still not super concerned with the defensive backs. I'm really more concerned with the pass rush at this point. I I thought the linebacker situation was really good. Impressed with Cam Riley. Saw a lot more Wesley Steiner, it seems like. I look forward to seeing how many snaps Wesley Steiner took. But it seems like he was out there a lot. Um, Wasn't too impressed with Pat. Poe, to be honest with you, I think he whiffed a couple times. Your captain, one of your senior, one of your leaders on defense, got to make more tackles, got to make more plays, and he's not be, he's not being a playmaker right now. He whiffed on some tackles, yeah. and, and, and and quite honestly, they, they weren't strong efforts either when he went in to make the tackle. It wasn't like the guy you know broke a a, a great uh-huh. tackle. So I got to see him step up a little bit too. Yeah, I look forward to seeing more Owen in the rewatch. I, I didn't notice him, Daryl. And like, like mm-hmm. you said, you know, the, the returning star of the defense, your captain, we should notice him. He should, he should have a moment every quarter or so where it's like, yeah, oh, and there we go. There's a stud that we've been talking about for so long. So I, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Um, Donovan Kaufman, I think, was fine. He whiffed on a few tackles that I didn't really think he would whiff on. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see on that. But, man, Nehemiah Pritchett. I'm just not convinced. Like, the coaching staff talked as if he was the best corner on this team, and, like, I think Jalen and DJ are better than him. I do, too. And, I, and I mean, I think, uh, obviously, Keontae is as well when he gets in the game. And so – but that's okay. If you've got four corners and you can rotate people in, and, you know, San Jose State went a lot five wide. Yeah. So, to go five wide, Kaufman became that nickel, and then mm-hmm. you had the other four corners we just spoke of and then drop that safety in the middle of the field. So that's a difficult uh, formation to cover. It's, it's very difficult to cover five receivers, especially when they're running eight-yard hit, eight hitches and that kind of thing. But I, I think one thing I want to touch on that we were talking about as far as Auburn's defense, mm-hmm. you know, week one, in my opinion, has always been the biggest overreaction week in college football. Sure. And, and maybe, just maybe, I'm, I'm just trying to stay even keel here when I say this, I, I overreacted to the San Jose State 
Portland State score, right? We overreacted to Florida and Utah. Everyone's like, Florida's back. Okay, well, they got beat by Kentucky. So I know we're talking about Auburn here, but I'm going to tie this into the fact that we don't know. Maybe San Jose State in the Mountain West goes out and is like a Boise State or some of those teams that, that win nine, ten games and give Power Five's teams a bunch of trouble. I don't know. Based off week one, I was severely disappointed with the way Auburn played. But again, week one is overreaction week. So we'll see what happens defensively. Maybe San Jose State schemed something up after watching Auburn on film last week against Mercer and said quick hitters, that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, you've got to get it cleaned up. You've got to get it corrected because you're playing, you know, big boy football next yeah. week. Oh, you're right. You're right. And Penn State looks fine against Ohio. I'm not going to act like I watched every second of that game, but every time I flipped over to it, they were dominating. They were like significantly better than Ohio. So we'll see what that looks like in just a moment as we talk about uh, what's coming up. And also, why did Auburn get flagged for so many penalties? I thought that was interesting. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people working for you and helping you grow your small business and keep it firing on all uh, cylinders. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers browse peruse LinkedIn jobs. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Daryl Daprich. One of the more alarming stats for me from Saturday night, nine for 85, nine penalties for 85 yards. And Auburn's honestly fortunate that a lot of those penalties were like false starts. Like there was a lot of weird stuff in that first drive. It's like Auburn forgot that they had to play a game. And so they had to suit up real quick with like no game plan is really what it looked like. And it's just, you can't do that next week. You can't do that against Penn state. And so I, this is totally like orange and blue glasses, glass half full, but like Harson has so much teaching tape this week. Like, if they don't get better it, from, from what happened Saturday to when Penn State comes into town, it is 100% on the coaching staff. You're right. The penalties, there were some that were, were, were killers, too. Some holds they yes. got called that brought back long runs. The pass interference penalties that were spot fouls that, that, that gave San Jose State new life. Look, after two games, Auburn has yet to create a turnover. That blows my mind. Yeah. They're, they're on the negative side of the turnover ledger in both games against an FCS and a group of five opponent. Right. You better clean up the penalties and you better start turn, getting turnovers because, like I said, Auburn turned it over twice tonight. They turned it over, what, twice uh, last Saturday night. They're on the negative side of the ledger on that. You're not going to win in the SEC and you're not going to win against power five teams when you have nine turnover or nine penalties for 85 yards and you're losing the turnover battle. I, I can't believe that as we sit here and talk now through two games that Auburn does not have a turnover. They haven't caused a fumble. They haven't gotten an interception. They have got to change that narrative Saturday. They've got to cut the penalties in half. 
four or five penalties, maybe six against Penn State, and they got to get some turnovers. It, it or, or they better play clean, clean football and not turn it over at all. Because right now they're on the negative side of that. It's not going to. It's not going to bode well for them in SEC play. Yeah, I'm there with you. And I think three of them came from John Samuel Shaker, which is super uncharacteristic. It really was. One of yeah. them that block. I'm like, I don't know about that. They never call that stuff. So like, it may be a penalty like to to block that low, but they just never seem to call that. So. I don't know. I don't know about that one, but it is what it is. It is what it is. So what's the biggest thing you think Auburn needs to clean up between now and Saturday? For me, it's you got to shore up the offensive line. You got to make yeah. sure that that's still a little bit better than it was. You know, that needs to get a little bit better every single week. That, that that's That's it for me. Well, I think that I'd like to see them quit rotating guards. I know they're doing that to try to find some continuity find chemistry or find a combination that works make it you gotta just, pick. just just settle on one you gotta pick because it's not working to have a revolving door over there either so settle on one you've got two games worth you got two games to put on tape that you can look at and there's grades right pff does grades on offensive linemen yeah whoever graded out the best it's not rocket science start them and leave them in unless they get hurt or they become a turnstile yeah. that's what you need to do quit with that then try to take care of the things you can take care of. Penalties is one thing. They got to clean that up. If they do that and get some continuity along the offensive line, use Ashford the way he is intended to be used. And like I talked about earlier in the show, do some wrinkles so he's not so predictable at what he's going to do because he is an athlete. He is sure. he is dynamic and he you know he brings energy. Defensively, it'll be interesting though. On the defensive side of the ball, can they stop Penn State running? the football and make them one dimensional. I think that's going to have to keep make Clifford beat you Saturday. Yeah. So I'm going to read you off the amount of carries that the key, the key rushers got. And I want you to tell me if you like this balance. Okay. So Bixby got 13. Jarquez was second with eight. Robbie was third with seven. Damari had two. I'd like to see Bigsby get more carries. I, I want to see him in the 18 to 20 range. Okay. I don't know why Damari did not get any more carries after that big run he had in the first half. I would have liked to see him in the 8 to 10 range. Yeah. Hunter right where he is, and maybe Ashford a couple less carries and a couple more throws. How about that? But I but all Damari Austin had a great run, breathed life into the into that offense. He looked great. And I don't and I don't think he got a carry in the second half. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm with you. I, I want all of that to go up. And I understand this the this game didn't develop the way they want, but TJ threw it 20 times, Robbie threw it three times, and it's like, I just, I don't think Auburn's quarterbacks, with the way this offense is built, I don't really want there to be 23 passes unless you need them. Like, the fact that they, I, I know they were behind for a little bit, but it's a general rule. Like, I don't understand why they didn't run it as much as they did. And that was a big question that a lot of Auburn fans had throughout the year last year. And it's like the game plan always got away from them because they were down early and they just, they can't, that cannot happen on Saturday. It just, it cannot happen. No, I think that the, from a prediction standpoint, if you look at the stats and we're talking next Saturday evening and Auburn's only thrown it 20 times to 23 times and they, st and they still get 400 yards total offense like they did tonight. I like Auburn's chances. I really do because yeah. I think defensively, I can't see, Penn State gash in Auburn. I could see Clifford, but I, I, I would, I would, I would say going into that game next week, 
if Auburn throws it 20 times to, to, to 25 times at the most and they rush for 200 yards, um, they get a couple sacks on Clifford, I like Auburn's chances. Yeah. But that balance, you, you know, they you said it, the offensive line's got to control the line of scrimmage a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And you can't get what I call – I got to be careful. I say, you know, Auburn's rushing attack has a lot of paper tiger yards in there with Ashford's yards. Mm -hmm. You look at the rushing total. I know they count for yards rushing, but those aren't running back carries. That's not the offensive line pushing the defensive line back four or five yards. It's it's read option yards from your quarterback. So 50 to 60 of those yards are are yards that your quarterback got. Mm -hmm. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Daryl, thank you so much for your time. Uh, of course, you, you can already tell we're eager to look ahead to Auburn, Penn State. We've been waiting for this all summer. It's, it's finally here. Chance to get that payback. And uh, we will cover everything you need to know going up to that game every single day right here on Locked on Auburn. If you're watching on YouTube, click subscribe. If you're listening on a podcast app, go ahead and subscribe there as well and either like us or leave us a review would mean an absolute ton. Locked on Auburn will be back tomorrow. Daryl will join me again next Sunday. All that will be right here on Locked on Auburn.